Hello everyone, Dave C. Bannerman here. I've got a couple of quick announcements just before we get into the next episode. Since the next two episodes you're about to hear, the Winter War series, we recorded in 2022, we've set up a dedicated Facebook page for the podcast. Head over to Facebook and search History Laid Bear. We've also given over some space on our website for further reading, links, behind the scenes photographs. So if you are interested in the things we're discussing and you'd like to know more, head over to bannermanproductions.com slash production blog. That's bannermanproductions.com slash production blog. We've also started uploading our podcast to YouTube. You can find that on the Bannerman Productions YouTube channel. And finally, we're now available on Spotify as well as Amazon Music. Just search History Laid Bear on any of these platforms. We're bound to pop up. That's me done. Thank you very much for your time. Hope you enjoy the next episode. Thank you for listening to us and we'll see you soon. Hello and welcome to a special two-part episode of History Laid Bear. Over the next two episodes, we're going to be taking a bit of a deep dive into the activities of two particular soldiers from Finland during the conflict known as the Winter War. So sit back, relax and enjoy part one. I'm O'Cleveland's story. Hello. Hello. It's been a while. I know. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thank you. I'm pretty good. Um, Welcome to episode four of this podcast. It's also a part one. It is a part one. Yeah. It's our first part one. I know. Yeah. Exciting. It really is. I know. Absolutely. Um, I sound really sarcastic there, but I no, try not to be. His voice says, but his face says different. I know. I am so excited about this. It, it is going to be a good one. This is the interesting guy. What's this, this this fellow we're going to be talking about? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely interesting. And part two is going to be... Even better. Even better. Oh. The, the stuff we got lined up for part two. We're saving the best for last, if you like. Ooh, well, yeah. Last of the parts. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can care. Absolutely. Um, okay, so, <clears throat> as you heard in the intro, we're going to be talking about the Winter War in this episode. Uh, well, the, the start of the Winter War, how it kicked off, yeah, and then the, we're going to talk, start. yeah, and then we're going to talk about one of the standout Finnish soldiers, uh, Imo Koivinen. Um, I always pronounce his second name wrong. I think. How, how do you how do you pronounce it? Koivinen. Koivinen. I mean, I think that's how you pronounce it. Imo I, Koivinen. I, I I'm Koivinen. It, it could. I mean, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, I'm assuming we are. So. Hopefully. I mean, I, yes. t- I, I tend to pronounce this stuff phonetically, so it's, I pronounce it how I see it. Yeah, and I'm, well, I'm the same, so if I see it written in a certain way, I'm going to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we are butchering the pronunciation, we are sorry. Um, Most indubitably. Yeah. That's a word. I know. I don't even know where that came from. No. Been eating dictionaries again. Mm. Or like a thesaurus. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. Shall we pull it back? Shall we yeah, pull it back I, before I, we go? Yeah. Before we go too far into the trees, eh? Yeah, come on. Let's let's um, let's, let's begin. Let's talk about the Winter War. The Winter War, right? So, as far as I I, whenever I think about this Winter War, which I do often, he says. Mm, 
Um, wow. That was sarcastic. I know. Um, I feel the sarcasm dripping from the words. You would be forgiven if you're listening to this thinking, what? What? Winter War? What? Um, it is a, it's a little known conflict within a bigger conflict. Well, that bigger conflict being the well, start of World War Two. Yeah. So we're going back to 1939. In November 30th, to be precise. Indeed. Um, the Winter War was a conflict between Russia and Finland that lasted from... 30th of November... 1939 to the 13th of March 1940 and it lasted three months one week and six days exactly yeah six days exactly now it was also known as the first Soviet Finnish war first Soviet Finnish war yeah because I didn't actually know I didn't to be fair Um, and I didn't the more you know the more you know um The first Soviet war would indicate that there's more than one. Uh, Soviet-Finnish war would indicate there's more than one, but we're just focusing on this one. Yeah. For these these episodes. Right, so what actually kicked it off? What was the... Well, how it started, so from what what we've been able to research, um, let me me just check my notes. The Soviets demanded a lot of territory around the Finnish border, in return for land elsewhere, claiming security reasons, mainly the protection of Leningrad, now, as we all know, is now known as St. Petersburg. Uh, but Leningrad is 20 miles away from, from the border between Russia and Finland. So in my personal opinion, I think 20 miles would be more than enough of a buffer zone or... I use inverted commas here, ladies and gentlemen, a security zone. You would think, yeah, I would tend to agree. Um, 20 miles is... It's more than enough land. It's not exactly a quick walk, is it? Oh, no, um, really. Yeah. He also, Stalin, who was obviously leading the Soviets at this time. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. <clears throat> he, he was... <clears throat> less, less sad. He wanted to um, build a naval base... On a, on a set of islands that uh, that Finland had possession of. Yeah, you mentioned about this before, but it's kind of, it's kind of not in the notes, but it it will be pertinent information. Yeah, and to, to go with what exactly what we're talking about over these two episodes. Yeah, and Finland and Russia have had a long and storied history anyway, because Finland at one time was part of the Russian Empire. Yes, they were. And they had no intentions of being part of the Russian Empire again. No, they didn't, because they loved their independence too much. They did. It's a beautiful country. I'd love to visit Finland. I I would really love to visit Finland myself. Yeah. You see the pictures of it and you're just like, wow. Yeah. That's... Looks absolutely stunning. And apart, uh, from what I've heard, the uh, the Finnish people are extremely welcoming and very nice. I've well. heard, I've heard the same. I have absolutely heard the same. Um, also, a brave people going by these two 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 chaps we're talking about in these episodes. Almost definitely. So, okay, so let's have a little chat about um, numbers. Now, okay, we we know numbers aren't interesting. 
But these these numbers might might interest you a little bit. They might actually pick your interest and make you want to look into this a little bit more yourself. Okay, so shall I do the Soviet numbers and you do the Finnish numbers? Yeah. Okay. Right. So when so when when Soviet when <laughs> when the Soviets invaded Finland, they invaded with a force of four hundred twenty five thousand to 760,000 troops versus Finland's. 300,000 to 340,000 troops. Russia brought with them 3,880 aircraft as opposed to Finland's. 114 aircraft. And rolling down the road... Russia found themselves in 2,514 to 6,541 tanks and Finland had? 32 tanks total. Just what? Give us that one more time. 32, three, two, no more, no less. Okay. Now... Bit of a David and Goliath situation, eh? It really is. Um, you look at them numbers and you think to yourself, well, the Soviets essentially should have steamrolled the Finnish defences. They really should, but they didn't. No. Oh, the, the Finns dug in and they were not giving up. No, they didn't go down without a face. Absolutely not. Um, now, for the losses between both sides... Um, the Finnish forces suffered 70,000 losses as opposed to the Soviets. 321,000 to 381,000. Now, don't get me wrong in saying this. That screams to me that the Russian forces, infantry especially, were being forced into mass charges like the, the 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 type that you'd see during the first world war maybe maybe there's during the research i did come across um <laughs> quotes and interviews that from russian soldiers that mm. clearly stated that they didn't believe that their commanders knew what the heck they were doing i don't know i've, I've, um, I've seen stuff like that myself also uh, many different sources yeah the russian army didn't bother with snow camo or any kind of protection from the snow. Wait. Yeah, wait no, I'm, wait, I'm, I'm wait, not kidding. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on a minute. You're talking about a country that has a diverse... They went in to Finland with their green uniforms and red stripes. Okay. So you're talking about a country that has a diverse ecology, right? Temperate, arid, whatever, right through to Arctic conditions, as anyone around the world knows. And you're invading Finland. Green uniforms. In green uniforms. With the red stripes. With the red stripes. Now, yeah. Call me an idiot for saying this, but... If wow. that was me, I'd be rocking up in winter camouflage. You would at least have a white coat. Oh, without a doubt. No, they, they didn't. Grey, grey coats 
green tunics and pants with all the red emblems of their the, the uniform at the time, you know, the red collars and the red flashes and everything else. Wow. Indeed, yep. <clears throat> yep. Okay, so... It's making me, now it's making me wonder why so many of them got cut down. The Finns managed to hold off Russian advances. Advances? <laughs> no, don't worry, I understood what you said. The, the Finns managed to hold off the Russians for a good two months. Now, that's good going. Yeah, but they inflicted heavy casualties. Mega casualties. In minus 43 degrees Celsius. They just weren't giving in. No, they weren't giving in. They dug in and they fought for their land. Yeah. Like, like any, any soldier would. Any proud nation, isn't it? Any proud nation. Yeah. But then the, so- the Soviets sort of, obviously st- stepped back and thought, oh, hang on, no, this isn't working. Let's have a little think. Let's try and reevaluate this now. And they came in, with re- they, they went back, reorganised themselves, renewed their tactics, and the tide began to turn. Oh, they broke through in the February. They did. They steamrolled them, in fact. Yeah. Um, but at this point... <clears throat> In steps our star of the of the episode, star of the show, Mister Imo Koivinen. He is the star of the show. So, Mister Koivinen was born in Alastro, Finland, in October 1917. Now, I do apologise if I butchered the pronunciation of the of that name. So, I, I am very sorry. Uh, there was no information about him until March eight, March the 18th, 1944. When Imo was on a ski patrol with his unit, yes, they did use skis. It was the easiest way to get around. Well, that's understandable considering yeah. the amount of snow that's up there. Of course. <clears throat> um, Yay! <laughs> but not, not in that sense. No. No, this is more skiing for your life. Oh, yeah. Um, skiing for your life or fleeing for your life? I'm going to be busy with that cup button, aren't I? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. That's okay. It just popped in there. So, yeah, on the 18th of March, uh, 1944, old Imo was up with his mates, having a bit of a ski patrol, seeing what was going on, keeping an eye on things, looking for Russian forces, uh, but the Russian forces found them. After the brief firefight, the Finns escaped into the forest and the Soviets gave chase. Now, Koivinen remembers he had the whole unit's supply of Pervitin. Pervitin, I think it is. Pervitin. Pervitin. Sorry, it's uh, methamphetamines. Yeah. And he had them in his pocket and he supposedly, now supposedly, we're saying here, accidentally took the whole unit's supply. Now, whether he was trying to get, trying to get one out and, you know, his mittens got in the way or his gloves or whatever he had on to keep his hands warm got in the way or he did it on purpose, he took 30 times to recommend a dose of methamphetamines. Wait, recommended? Recommend dose of methamphetamine? No. Yeah, um, I'd say recommended dose of, well, uh, if I can pronounce it properly, <clears throat> per, 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 
Perverton. Yay, there we go, Perverton. Happy days. It is a variant of methamphetamine and it was given to soldiers in Europe to keep them up, keep them alert and ready to fight. In fact, the Germans were now well known for handing it out to uh, sentries and yeah. groups on guard patrol. Yeah. Guard uh, patrol, guard duty. Yeah. Sorry. They also carried a lot of it during the, with the lightning raids and Blitzkrieg and oh, yeah, the, everything else. It, yeah. Was it? It out. It did. In, in, <laughs> in fact, there's a lot of people who think that um, this methamphetamine pervitin was responsible for the Blitzkrieg because it turned soldiers into just zombies who didn't, you know, See, didn't know? need to sleep, didn't need... Did, I'm, I'm, I don't know if they needed to eat, but they certainly didn't need to sleep and they just kept going. See, that would make a lot of sense with how... how fast that the... Of, advanced mm. but we're kind of dag- uh, we're kind of getting away from who we're supposed to be talking about yeah we're heading into the trees again but we just yeah. wanted to, to make the point that soldiers in Europe during the Second World War were were given methamphetamines to keep them awake to keep them awake and keep them alert and yeah. obviously to by the looks of it keep them going and try to keep them alive as long as possible to I don't know maybe stay in the face yeah so, old Imo, he's in the woods. He's had a bit of a, a dust up with the Russians. He's took these tablets. Now it starts to get a little bit strange in a minute. He's he's with still with his units at this point. They're running through the woods. They're trying to get away from the Russians. He's took all these methamphetamines. And now he's trying to G his unit up. He's trying to push them on, speed things up. Next thing we know, um, I'm, well, Imo loses consciousness. Unconscious, out like a light. Drops. Completely, he's gone. Now it gets weird. Right. Imo claims to remember waking up some 100 kilometres, so 100 kilometres is 60 miles. It's about, about 60, 62 yeah. miles, something like that. Well, you know better than me because you've been over to Germany, haven't you, sir? Yeah. Um, I'd say it's about 60, 62 miles. All right, so okay. Now, he claims to remember, as I said, he claims to remember waking up some 60, 60 to 62 miles away from where he passed out with no ammunition, no food, and no unit. He was completely on his own. Now, at this point, he doesn't know where he is. He's got no idea how he's got there or what's happened to the rest of his men. So what does he do? He jumps himself into a ditch and he just tries to stay alive. So he he begins to eat pine cones, um, anything he can get. I'm sure there was insects in there as well. Uh, Well, yeah, if if you need something to eat, it's... Protein, isn't it? It's protein. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah. Apparently, it's a very good source of protein. Yeah. Um, he also managed to catch a Siberian jay, which he killed and ate raw. Ben in mind, he caught this with his bare hands. His bare hands, yeah. Now, Siberian jay with his bare hands. I, I think that, that this, it's at this point that I'm giving up. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I don't think I could myself, actually. It, but... No. It's what? at this point I'm saying, nope, that's it. I'm done. I'm staying here. I'm, game over. Yep. But he also stepped on a landmine and came within half a mile of the Soviet outpost while he was he was wandering in the wilderness. 
but see, you know, I read conflicting reports on this. Some say, he, he, some of the reports say, he, everyone agrees he stepped on a landmine. Oh, yeah, then from... All, everything I've read says he stepped on a landmine. But there's disagreements on the distance because some reports say he was half a mile away. Others say he was close enough to a Russian outpost that he set fire to it. See, I've not actually come across that. This is what I've read. He, he's, he was close enough to a Russian outpost, thrown on a landmine, that the Russian out, parts of the Russian outpost caught fire. Well, that's a... I'm just giving both sides. I'll have to have a look into that myself to see. see. Or actually, send me the... Um, I will. Send I'll, me the link. If I can find it again. <laughs> I've got it open on the computer. No, I do so much research for this this show, you won't believe. Um, More research. Bits of paper everywhere. Um, yeah, so there is those, there, there are those two, two stories about what happened. But when he was found, this is the amazing part. To me, oh yeah, this is this is this is what's shocked me. Yeah, the, the distance. Now I want to get these numbers right, so I am going to look at the paper. You ready? When he was found, over a week later, at this point, it was it was reckoned that he travelled some four hundred kilometers, two hundred and fifty miles away from where he originally passed out with his unit. Now that is a long way on foot in the snow. Oh, yeah. It makes me wonder, did he still have his skis or did he he make makeshift snowshoes or no. uh, makeshift set of skis just to, just to help him along? And no idea. No idea. To where he needed to go or did he have any idea where he was going? No, I, he, he was hopped up on that much meth. I'll be honest. I don't think he, he knew. I don't think he had a clue. And he's, he had no memory of where, he, where he'd been. Up until this point. No. Um, um, well, I have read that and I completely believe that he had no memory because... He... Yeah, I mean, obviously things must have started coming back to him as he recovered. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because he did survive this ordeal. Yeah, but I, I'd like to point out one thing. Go on. When he was picked up, his heart rate was around 200 beats per minute and he weighed 45 kilos, which... Roughly translates to about six point six and a half stone, so which isn't a lot for a grown man, is it? No, he would have been extremely skinny and gaunt. Yeah, emaciated, malnourished. Yeah, completely malnourished and emaciated. They would probably been put up in looking, like looking at a skeleton walking along the road. Yeah, thing. maybe would have been <clears throat> not a very pretty sight. No. But to be fair, he did walk 250 miles from where he originally passed out. Passed out. Yeah. And then uh, work then. Um, okay. So after the war, he's back into obscurity. Yeah, he, he, and just lived his life and got on with it. He drifted, he completely drifted back into obscurity, didn't he? he yeah. Okay, I've done my part. So yeah, done my bit now. Done my bit. The war's over for me. I'm gonna go back to doing whatever I was doing before I became uh, uh, my country called me up. Yeah, to, to fight. That's it. And I'm. I, I really hope I've been pronouncing it. it 
his name right. He deserves to have his name pronounced right. He does deserve to have his name pronounced right. Um, I do hope we have pronounced his name right. <clears throat> I hope we pronounce. I, pron- I hope I pronounced where he was born in Finland correctly. Yeah, I really so, do. So I'm sticking with Imo. Okay, so Imo, he passed away peacefully um, on the 12th of August 1989 uh, at age 71. So, yeah. So, but after that, as we said, he just faded back into the background and just lived his life. Um, So there you go. That was the story of Imo Koivinen. The start of the Winter War. And the start of the Winter War. But Imo Koivinen, the guy who ran, walked, crawled, However, and Jay and Pinecones stood on a landmine and possibly set fire to a Russian base. Possibly. Um, it's feasible, maybe? Well, it's, it's, it's what I read. I can't confirm or deny. It's just what I read. Uh, 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 well, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of weird stories from World War II, isn't there? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Imo managed to survive and um, I think... What he did, whether you agree with the amphetamines or not, it was what they were given. It was the time. It was what it was. It was the way it was. Standard procedure, so to speak. Yeah, it was of its time. Yeah, um, and I, I think he'd, he's he's a lucky man, and I, I think he did well to make it. Oh yeah, he's a very lucky man, considering the weight that he was when he was found. He's very lucky to survive the yeah. entire ordeal. Absolutely. And in the next episode, we're going to be bringing the conclusion. Of the Winter War and possibly a little bit of the aftermath as well. What happened, you know, the, the, the is it the Ribbentrop Treaty? Um, I think it is the Ribbentrop Treaty, yes. I think it might be. Um, I'll have to, I'll give that a look actually. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll confirm more facts before we record, as always. And we're going to be talking about Simon O'Hare, also known as the White Death. The most prolific sniper in World War II. I'm excited for this one. Oh, I'm excited for this one because I know a little bit about Simo already. Same. And he's let's let's say let's save it for the episode. We won't give too much away. No, I don't want to give too much away, but it's it's gonna be a good one. It is. It is. And whether you're history buff or whether you're into this kind of thing or not, you can't fail to be impressed by this guy. Oh no. No, definitely not. You cannot fail to be impressed by what this man achieved yeah and how he achieved it as well absolutely because i didn't know one thing that you told me i always thought it was in a specific way if you if you catch me meaning yeah and that actually blew my mind a little bit Mm. well well we're going to be saving that for part two of our winter war double episode I've been Dave C. Bannerman. And I've been Martin Almond. If you're still here, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.